0: He said, Tamara, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have cancer. And not only do you have cancer, it's advanced. And you'll probably only live five to seven years. You'll never be able to have kids, most likely. And oh yeah, it's incurable. How in the world do I tell my family this? I was truly on top of the world. Everything was going in the direction that I had hoped. All my life, I wanted to be a TV reporter. I received my first major award as a journalist. And then right after that, I was uh, awarded my own television show, my sports show. You know, I reached 25 million people. Everything in the world was going great. I can't imagine that anything would be going any better career-wise for me. My life was about to dramatically change a few months later. The tiredness and the fatigue turned into weight loss, but I never really felt sick. And then the lymph nodes popped up all over my body. Lymph nodes swell when you get sick, but the problem was I had 147 of them swollen all over my body. I was working a lot, but there'd be days where, like, I could not get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed at all. They swelled so large that they were, like, actually coming out of my legs. That's when I went to the doctor, and she's like, something's not normal, but it still didn't register that, hey, you're sick. On September 24th, 2009, it was, I remember, it was a sunny day, it was beautiful. I found out that I had um, a blood cancer all the way, all over my body, it was 90% of my body. As a reporter, I want to approach things, I want to hit things like head on. And I I wanted to see what my inside of my body looked like. 147, I'll never forget that number. So immediately, what went through my mind is I didn't ever pray and say, Lord, why is this happening to me? I said, Lord, what's next? I had such a peace that came over me. Um, initially, I was in shock. But in just a matter you know, of seconds, a peace came over me. I remember knowing right then that no matter what happens, that it's going to be OK. A personal relationship with Jesus means surrendering completely. If I didn't have that relationship, I don't know how people can deal with, you know, how they can deal with the sickness, how they can deal with the divorce, how they can deal with whatever battle is going on in their life. I I don't know what it would be like. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is, is living in the moment, and it's knowing that having joy and just having peace can really, really impact and change your life. It doesn't matter if I have the best ratings. It doesn't matter if I have the best TV show. It's that I go home, and I know I'm content, and know that that I have the Lord on my side no matter what. If I did not have a relationship with the Lord, my cancer journey would be completely different. We're going to struggle. We're going to have battles. But at the end of the day, or at the end of the moment, it's okay because we're all forgiven. Say a prayer, ask the Lord, come into my heart, come into my life, and just know at that moment that everything is going to change for you. I hope to be a living testament, and I hope that He speaks through me to other people to tell my story. I love life, but if the Lord said, hey, Tamara, it's it's time for you to go home tomorrow, five years from now, ten years from now, then I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm Tamara Jolie, and I am second.
1: You heard halfway through that video, you heard Tamara say, uh, talk about this, this peace that came over her in her circumstance. And many of you who have followed Christ for a long time, or maybe you haven't followed Christ for a very long time, and you have felt similar peace, a divine gift from God. and She said that that was the case. She, she had that peace and, and with the thinking that no matter what happened, she knew it was going to be okay. But why? Because her life, here and now and for eternity, was, was held in the... Hands of Almighty God. And I love what she said when she said, I never said, God, why is this happening to me? Understandable question. But rather, God, what's next? Not 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 what's next, you know, in an angry kind of bitter way. No, but God, what's next? I'm in your care. And so what's next? Show me. I want to I want to continue to be led by you, to be strengthened by you, to follow you. Powerful statement. Today in our John series, the message title is Believing Matters Most. Remember in the previous message, Jesus had left. The Judean area in the south, and and traveled through uh, Samaria in the middle, uh, uh, in in the middle kind of of the of the map there that you'll see uh, to the to the uh, uh, left. Yes, that is the west. Uh, I just had to think about that for a moment of the uh, Jordan River, and he had a conversation there in Samaria about living water with a Samaritan woman that changed not only her life but changed the lives of many in her village, we were told. And you can listen to that message if you missed it on our Eaglemont Church YouTube channel. Just a reminder that that is there for you. Um, and after a couple days, Jesus continued on to the region of Galilee, up to the north, uh, which is where we pick up the story. So follow as I read from our passage today, continuing through the Gospel of John for however long it takes us. It looked, I think we're going to be taking. Uh, we're pushing the pause button in the in the summer, and uh, of course our dedication Sunday of our new facility. Keep it in mind, April 28th. Uh, we'll push the pause button on the John series, but we're going to be for months ahead, yet going to be th- walking through this, this awesome gospel, and I'm, I'm excited about that. John 4, 43 to 54 says, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything that he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. And that was the message back in November, uh, as we looked at John chapter 2. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come before my little boy dies. And then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them... When the boy had begun to get better? And they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. And then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. What a story! What a cool story. In verse 44, we see similar to the words of Jesus, verse 44 is similar to the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 13, that a prophet is not without honor. It says in Matthew 13, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own house. It's it's the old adage, uh, familiarity breeds contempt And in Matthew 13, his hometown crowd was saying things like, you know, who who does he think he is? Isn't this just the the carpenter's son? And and, and not only only that, Jesus' own siblings, as many of you know, uh, had a tough time uh, believing that Jesus was who he claimed to be. The Messiah. The Son of God. The hometown of... Jesus' early years was Nazareth in Galilee, and in Luke 2, he was, uh, Jesus was there as a 12-year-old when his parents took him to the Passover feast in Jerusalem, um, and remember, that's where they lost him, the parents of Jesus. Again, many of you know the story, but you, you may be exploring here today, and, and uh, uh, this, this whole uh, life of Jesus is a, is a new thing for you, and if that's the case for you, I commend you for your courage to search, to read, to ask questions of, of your Christian neighbor or friend, maybe that invited you today, or you're engaging online today, and you're seeking, you're searching. Way to go. Keep going. And uh, so, so a lot of this will be new information for you. And if you do have questions, please do not hesitate to touch base. Uh, I'd, I'd love to dialogue with you and, uh, and, and try to help in, in questions that, that you may have. But his parents, they went to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. They headed home. Three days, they didn't know where he was. I wonder what the Amber Alert was like back then. I'm not sure, but it's kind of a humorous parenting story, actually. Maybe not. But anyway, we're told that the Galileans welcomed Jesus because they had seen the things he had done. And then Jesus goes to Cana, where this government official begs Jesus, as we just read, to come to his place to heal his son who was close to dying. This man had possibly heard about the miracle that Jesus did at the wedding, the turning water to wine, and and, uh, uh, he thought, my son is in need of a miracle. We have no, really no indication that he had ever met Jesus, but He's not shy about making this big request. And and that's good because Jesus invites us. Did you know that? He invites you to come to him with your stuff, with your pain, with your hurt, with your illness, with your marriage relationship that's in trouble, with whatever it is in life, in this broken world, as we know it, for a time that life is for you. Jesus invites us, wants us to come to him with these situations, and most of all with our heart and soul. I want to make a comment uh, directed, I guess, primarily to those of us who've been reading the Bible for many years. I think it's it's quite possible for us to become uh, so familiar with these, uh, what are historical uh, narratives, historical factual stories in in the Gospels, that we don't, at times, I believe, give much thought to how the people in the stories may have been feeling. In their various life situations. As they approached Jesus. And as they asked him for, for his intervention. And, and for his help. You see. I, I, think, I think there's a danger in that. We can often read a story like, like these stories. Without pausing to think. About the emotional reality. Of the individual. In that story. As is the case of the man coming to Jesus here. The The, the torment in this father's heart for his son, causes him to call out to Jesus. And for, those of us, for those of us who are parents, some of us have probably had the occasional thought about what it would be like or what, what would we do, what would we do if we lost a child? And some of you, very sadly, do not have to imagine that. I can't comprehend the pain because I've not walked that path like some of you have. Many years ago, a precious little boy in this church got very sick. I held his lifeless body for a few moments in the hospital after he had passed away and gone into the presence of Jesus. As a church, we endeavored to walk compassionately with that family, but, but unless, and you know it, yeah, unless unless you've walked that path, we can't fully understand the pain. And here in this narrative is a man who's on the brink of experiencing that. It would appear a man who who had authority, probably wealth as a as a result, as a government official, and but but now he feels helpless. There's nothing he can do except call on Jesus. All the the power he has, all the authority he has, all the money that he has doesn't give him the ability to control what is happening to his son. You ever felt out of control like that? You may feel out of control, but but the reminder is that we're we're not in control, are we? It's a sobering reminder for us. We're not in control. We're, we're, We're not God as much as we... May at times like to take on that role as as, as as best we can. Imagine it being you, and Jesus is there, and you know he's busy, you know there are many other people vying for his attention with, with desperate life situations, and they also want the Messiah to intervene for them. But but somehow you capture his attention like this government official. And you do capture his attention. You do when you, when, you, when you call to him, every one of you. And again, many of you know that, and you can point to times when that has been the case, and you know you, know you were the object of his attention and his care and his love and his wisdom and his provision in that difficult situation. And God is able to give you his full attention when he's giving everybody else who's calling on him his full attention too. God's that big. Isn't that cool? It's God. He's there. He's there. may not always feel like it because of the broken world we live in and the things that come as a result of that, the pain, the, the sorrow, and what have you. But, but, but He's there. He's there. To, to, to lean on, to trust in, to call out to, and to walk with you as a faithful friend. Let Him, let him walk with you. In your pain, in your sorrow, in your questions, in your doubts, in your anger for what's happened, call out to Jesus he's already He's already there waiting for you to do that with his arms outstretched. He really is. And Jesus was there for this man in this story and for his son. It, it, it seems that that he thought. That the the man thought that the only way that his boy would be healed is if Jesus came to his house and physically touched his son. Now, we know that Jesus did that many times in the Gospels. And yet Jesus knew that was not the case. Some might say, but Jesus, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a great career move for you to be. To be seen with this guy, this man of position and power, it, it, it could open up the door to the big stage. Come on, go with him. Would you want to be seen with this guy? Uh, most of us would probably here here's an example uh, of this uh, with a different category of person. say you were in a restaurant with your spouse or a a small group of friends, and Connor McDavid walked over and said, mind if I sit down? Well, I don't know of anybody. Well, maybe Pastor Joel. Uh, maybe uh, he's not here today. He's sick. But uh, anyway, uh, no, praying for you, friend. Um, he's a Flames fan, by the way. But Connor McDavid walked over and said, do you mind if I sit down? And, and, and McDavid sat down, and you all enjoyed a meal together as you, as you chatted it up. I mean, you, you'd love I think you'd love that everyone in that restaurant was seeing you hanging out with McDavid. Yeah, yeah, you would. Well, Miriam, I can hear her voice in my head right now. No, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. Um, She reminds me that these guys put their pants on one leg at a time the same as I do. So anyway, that's just where she's at, and that's Okay. And there might be one or two others of you that feel that way. You can group up later and talk about how immature I am, okay? Um, That's fine. Well, well, Jesus wasn't impressed by the government official's position or power or anything that came from that role. Believing matters most. Message title. Believing matters matters more. And to clarify, that does not mean that the object of our faith or the, the object or direction of our belief doesn't matter because it absolutely does. It's crucial. We're not talking about just believe what you want and you'll get there in the end. That's not the words of Jesus. That's not the words of Scripture. Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father, to an eternity in heaven. So, so the object of our belief is, is crucial, that, and that's assumed in this, in this title, in, in my mind, just so you know. But Jesus wanted the man to know this, that, that, that believing in an all-powerful, all-loving, all-wise God matters most, no matter what situations he faced, no matter which way life went. To believe in the way the Bible defines it is not merely giving mental assent to truth about God or even about what He can do. Uh, Those are obvious aspects of uh, solidifying our belief in God, for sure. but, But belief as God's Word defines it is more deeply synonymous with, and you heard it in the video testimony, you Check out that, you, you might, I think it said I am second on there, didn't it? Iamsecond.com, just some really cool life stories of, of a variety of people on that website. Um, but, but you heard it said by, by uh, Tamara on the screen there a few minutes ago. Surrender. Surrender. Belief, biblically, the definition, belief in God, is synonymous with full surrender to the God who created you and loves you more than anybody ever could. Surrender fully. Heart, mind, soul, body, relationships, money, career, everything. Why? Because he's the wisest. And he created you. And wired you the way he did. And give you the gifts and the personality and all of that. And and he he knows best what direction in life to take you. Belief. Believing as the New Testament defines it is not a belief to... to, uh, Additionally, here a thought. uh, Not a belief to, to get what I want. It's believing that I'm forgiven, and that I'm welcomed into God's eternal family because I've surrendered to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life that he provided for me on the cross and for you and through his resurrection, of course. And in the journey of life, God will do. Yes, he will. He can. He does. Today, miraculous things and amazing things as we trust him. And yet Jesus' question is still an important and thought-provoking one. Verse 48, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? It's a question I, I think we need to ask ourselves at times. Because the bullseye on the target for us at times becomes the miracle. And yes, I want to see more miracles. I want to I grow in my faith so that, so, that we, so that we can see God move in the way he wants to and do, do miraculous things. Yes, yes. That verse can sound like Jesus is being a little uncaring, though, isn't, doesn't it? But it's not so. It's not so. Will you never believe unless you see miracles? He, he knew that he was going to heal the boy, Jesus, I believe. He knew that already. But he, but he didn't want the father to miss out on an important spiritual life lesson that would help him cultivate a deeper walk. Of faith in relationship with God, which is the most important thing, and which is the primary uh, thing that God wants to happen in our lives, no matter what is going on in our lives. It's about walking in a relationship, as we've said already, of, of complete trust and surrender, knowing He is more. He is more than able to intervene, miraculously as he sees fit. But if he doesn't, the way I think he should, that my, my trust in him as a good and faithful God is unshaken. That's not always easy, is it? You know it and I know it. And that's where we need to Lean into God's Word and, and lean on His Spirit and his, the, the supernatural encouragement that come that can come within us uh, uh, by, his, by His loving, all-wise direction and, and whispers of, of the Holy Spirit, as we often say. And that's where leaning on one another in the body of Christ and all of these things are, are just so important. We can trust Him as a good and faithful God that He is even when things don't go the way we think they should in a given circumstance. I can still believe and I can still know that He is good and faithful and loving. So as, again, Tamara said in the video, it's not God, why me? It's God, what's next? Lead me through this into you're next for me. Your are next of, of how my story can encourage and strengthen others is a big part of the beauty of the journey of life, right? Having said that, Jesus knew what the government official's boy needed, a supernatural touch. And Jesus could give that even from a distance. <laughs> we, we know that. Jesus doesn't, doesn't say a direct no to going to the man's house. But in verse 50, we see him simply say, go home. Your, your son will live. The dad accepts that, heads home to see for himself. And no doubt, he, he's moving fast. He wants this to happen. He's probably so excited, he's kicked in. You know, he's keeping up with those speed walkers from the Olympics. I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. But he, he want, he's getting home. And... While he's on his way, the Bible says here that, that some of his servants from, came, came from the house to meet him. I don't know, somehow they knew he was on, well, maybe they got the text message or something, they knew he was on, there, on his way, and they went out to meet him, the Bible says, to tell him the good news. So great. Guess what, Mr. Government Official? Your son, he's alive. He's not only alive, he's doing well. He's up and around. He's teasing his sisters again. They just couldn't wait till he got home to tell him. So they went out, to, uh, understandably. And obviously elated, the government official, the, the father, asks, asks his servant. We read it already. I find that interesting. For some reason, he, he wants to kind of pin it down. Some, 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 the, the, something about the, the way this individual, his, his mind worked. Um, I don't know, I like it though when was it that my son all of a sudden was, was doing better 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. are you kidding me that's exactly the time that Jesus said your son will be well you know what, and some of you, I know this is the case, over, over the years of following Christ, I've heard numerous similar stories like this, where, where someone is prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for someone else, maybe far away, maybe it's a global worker in another country overseas, or, or, or somebody down the street, or a family member across town, whatever. The Holy Spirit prompts you to pray, and, and God use uses you at the right time when that divine intervention in that moment is needed. Powerful. It's powerful. God God, putting somebody on the heart of another believer to pray for exactly at the time they need it most. God does that kind of stuff. What a neat thing. And that, Any one of you c- can be used by God that way. As a matter of fact, Probably you have, and, and you may not even know it, because you don't hear necessarily the, the story. So, so let God use you. If someone comes to mind, you wake up in the middle of the night, you can get frustrated like I do sometimes, or you can just say, God, is there someone you want me to pray for right now? And he, he may just drop a name, a face in your mind. There you go. It's a powerful opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life and in God's work in the world in those moments. So this experience not only influenced the government official, but verse 53 says, he himself believed as a result of everything that went on here and his whole household. That's awesome. And in this case, the miracle came. But, but believing in Jesus even if we, as we said before, even if we don't get the physical miracle as we want it delivered, is still the most important thing. Believing matters most. As the worship team comes right now, we're going to conclude in a, time, in a time of prayer right now. And we're going to believe God for a miracle, for the miracle that, that you need in your life. And, and it's not contradictory to say, God, I trust you for the miracle, but, but I, I trust you no matter what. That's not contradictory. I I remind you of this story from the Old Testament. Again, some of you know uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three Hebrew young men who faced being thrown into the fiery furnace if they did not serve the gods of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Or, or if they refused to bow to his golden statue that he made. And, and, and some of you have read from Daniel chapter 3. These courageous young men who truly believed God could do anything. They did. And they'd seen him do some amazing things. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve. And they're speaking to the, to the, to the wicked king here. The God we serve is able. He's able to deliver us. But even, verse 18, but even if he does not, hmm, that's not a lack of faith. That's just a statement of the way it can go sometimes for reasons we may or may not know in a broken world. He is able. But even if he does not, we will still not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold you have set up. It's the, the, but even if he doesn't, that is evidence. That, that is evidence of a, of a deep and genuine faith. Passages like we've looked at today from John 4 can lead to meaningful prayer times for, for God's divine intervention. And, that, and that's what we're going to do now. In a moment, as the worship team leads us in a song, we're, we're going to take a few minutes in prayer, right, right up front here, actually. It's been a while since we've done this. But I just want to prepare you for this opportunity, for you just to step out, even, even as a sign of transparency in front of your church family. And those that maybe don't have anything of pressing nature going on in their lives, that stay in the seats, I'm asking you, as people come forward, to pray for the people that come forward, okay? This is body-life prayer right now. It's important. It's powerful. It's powerful. You may not know their name, but you, you know, if you're a Christ follower, you know God knows their name and God knows their story, right? So, pray. And as you come forward, that that's that's what you're going to receive, the prayer of your church family today. And I'm going to pray as well. If you would come forward to give me the opportunity to pray for you. And you're just coming, you're saying, God, heal. God, strengthen my marriage. God, reach my spiritually wandering young adult child, or whatever it is. Jesus, I believe in you enough to be completely confident that you know best, no matter what I see or experience. Uh, You're coming forward, you're just saying, God, I'm asking you for a miracle, but in it and through it, I trust you fully. I make that commitment to trust you fully in this difficult season, in this difficult situation, okay? gonna ask you to stand to your feet and again as soon as the worship team starts to starts to sing just just come right away and we're gonna sing this brief song uh, once and uh and then i'm i'm gonna pray for you whatever you're facing come and come and stand uh facing the stage and we're gonna pray together in just a moment okay Begin to talk to God about the situation, whatever it is. Just begin to tell Him that you trust Him in it. Begin to begin to ask Him for His divine intervention in the way that He knows His best. Lean on His wisdom. Lean on His grace in these moments. Lean on His strength and on His power to do the impossible, what appears to be impossible. But with God, all things, all things, all things are possible, the Bible says. And we thank you for that, God. Express your thanksgiving to God in these moments for His divine work, for His divine intervention, for the expression and the experience in your life of His wisdom and grace and and, and guidance for each and every day in this challenging season that you're walking through right now. God knows. God knows. God sees. God loves. God cares. Thank you, God. Church family, join me as I lead in prayer. You pray with me. The individuals that have stepped forward is an expression of faith as well tonight today. Father, we thank you that we can come to you anytime. We can come to you anytime. And we come to you now. And we come to you again. If it's a hundredth time, God, you do not tire of hearing our cry for help. You do not tire, you do not become weary of our of our Uh, Please, for for your help and intervention, God, we thank you. We thank you for that. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. And Lord, as a church family right now, we lift up each and every one of these individuals that have stepped forward today. In these powerful and sacred moments, we lift them up to you in childlike faith, believing that we serve the God who created everything we see, who can do the impossible. So we ask, together with them, we unite our faith together in these moments for your divine and miraculous intervention in the situations that are represented in the lives of these dear people today. God, we humbly ask the powerful hand of God to work in ways that are beyond our comprehension and as, as your word says beyond what we can ask or imagine that you can do and we can, we can ask a lot we can imagine a lot but you can do more and we ask for that today in childlike faith for each of these individuals, whatever the situation, may they know that you're there. May they know that you're able. May they sense your presence and your, uh, your spirit walking with them, lifting them up in mind, body, and spirit for each and every day in this challenging season of what life is right now for them. God, you be glorified. You be glorified in and through each and every life, each and every situation. We humbly ask this. We humbly ask this with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You're a good God. We thank you. We thank you. Friends, go ahead, even out loud. Begin to express your thankfulness, your gratefulness as we've done already this morning in our in our singing in our worship to express our thanksgiving to God for who he is, for who he is, for his character of faithfulness. Yes thanking Him for what He's done and what He will do. But most of all, for who He is in His character. Thank You, God. Thank You, God, for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your love for us. Thank You for Your care. Thank You for Your wisdom that we can rely on. Thank You for Your Word, oh God. Thank You for the relationships in our lives that are strength-giving, God. May we cultivate those. Thank You. Thank You. Thank you, God. May we walk even in trouble with a posture of thanksgiving, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. God, friends, God knows, God sees, God cares. I, I believe that you all know that. But be reminded of that. Let that be the first thought tomorrow morning when you wake up. God, today's your day. I'm trusting you as much as I was trusting you when I stood at the front of church yesterday. And then Tuesday, same thing. Wednesday, same thing. For your situation, some of you might be here for uh, on, on behalf of others. God is able to, to work in miraculous ways and to sustain you. And, and for a season, the, the miracle might be just that that peace that Tamara talked about. That just came over her. May you may you may you experience that peace. God, I pray for the peace of God as the supernatural gift to daily, daily fill the hearts and minds of each one of these individuals and others that they may be praying for as they stand here today. The divine supernatural peace of God. God bless you for stepping forward. And God, honor your faith today, friends. God bless you. Thank you, worship team, for for leading us.